Welcome to Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Mintert, Director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture. Recently, I had an opportunity to give a seminar at Kansas State University focused on what we've learned from conducting Ag Economy Barometer surveys since October of 2015. After the seminar, I had a chance to interview with the host of K-State's Ag Today radio program, Eric Atkinson. With his permission, we're providing that two-part interview for this edition of the Purdue Commercial AgCast. You are tuned in to Agriculture Today on the K-State Radio Network. Glad to have you aboard once more. Something that has emerged in recent years out of Purdue University has become a very good barometer on the agricultural economy. That is, in fact, how it's entitled, the Ag Economy Barometer. And one of the co-creators is with us now. He was on the Kansas State University campus a few days back to pass along more on this instrument what it tells us about what farmers and ranchers are thinking across the country. Jim Mintert is with us, and his name will ring familiar with you. Jim, at one time, was a livestock economist, K-State Research and Extension, for several years. Of late, he has been on the Agricultural Economics Department staff at Purdue University and currently serves as the director of Purdue's Center for Commercial Agriculture. Jim, glad to talk with you once again. When you were here at K-State, you outlined this barometer and just what it achieves, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But we do want to get into the origins of this as you and another former K-State agricultural economist launched this a few years back. Well, that's right. We partnered with uh, the CME Group to launch this. And as you mentioned, uh, Michael Langemeyer, who was a faculty member at Purdue for many years, is, is uh, kind of the co-director on this. And the idea was to provide a measure of sentiment focused on agricultural producers. There's a lot of sentiment measures that focus on the broader U.S. economy. The Probably the best-known one is the University of Michigan's Survey of Consumers, which really got underway shortly after World War II and in its current form kind of dates to roughly the early 1950s. So those get widely reported, but they're not really a good measure of what's going on in the ag sector. And so uh, the CME group came to us and gave us an opportunity to provide the funding to do a sentiment measure focused on what's taking place in the ag sector. And so we launched the project back in the fall of 2015 and uh, started publishing the results in, in the spring of 2016. It's been a very interesting project. We've learned a lot about f- farmer sentiment uh, and we've learned a lot about the drivers of the sentiment changes that we've seen from month to month. And, um, you know, contrary to what some people told us at the outset, it's more than just what goes on with respect to commodity prices. It's received quite a bit of acclaim in the last several years as it's come together. Before we talk about what it measures, how the survey process works, you do canvas production agriculture on a nationwide basis here, do you not? We do, and we focus on people that are providing the bulk of the nation's food. So we focus on people who are engaged in production agriculture. Uh, The way I'd characterize it is people that are engaged in production agriculture as their primary source of their family's income. And the way we do that in, in the database that we work from is we focus on people who have an estimated value of production on their farm that's equal to or greater than $500,000 on an annual basis. So that doesn't make you a very large producer, but it does make it a, a large enough producer that it allows us to focus on a relatively small number of people that are segmented or classified as farmers. If you look at the USDA's definition of farmer, it's quite broad and extends all the way down to people that have a very, very small 
value of, of their farm's production. By focusing on people that have an estimated gross farm income of 500000 and up, uh, it turns out that that's only about 8% of the producers in, in the U.S., but that 8% of the producers produce over 80% of the nation's food measured by value. The nice thing about that is that allows us to survey a relatively small number of people each month and still be representative of what's taking place in the industry. And you do purposely look at a variety of enterprises here. You try to cover the mainstays, do you not? That's a good way to put it. We focus on people that produce corn or soybeans, wheat and cotton on the crop side. And then on the livestock side or animal agriculture side, we focus on beef producers, uh, hog producers, and dairy producers. So we don't try to measure sentiment from specialty crop producers. Some people that are specialty crop producers are in our survey, but that's because they have an enterprise of one of the, one of the other enterprises that we focus on. And then we take – the sample is constructed in a way that it's commensurate with what the USDA reports on the Census of Agriculture. So we've – stratified our survey respondents each month, so they match up pretty well with the USDA Census VAG in terms of their contribution to a value of farm production. So uh, in that sense, it allows us to have some comparability from one month to the next. One point that's always a little bit confusing is we do not survey the same people every month. The way we maintain the comparability is by holding those percentages of those various enterprises in the, in the survey sample each month constant. That's how we maintain comparability. But we do not survey the same people each month, and I thought a lot of people are a little bit confused about that. As far as what you ask of these producers, though, is it a stock set of questions each month? How does that work? It starts off with a stock set. Uh, there's really five base questions that we use to compute the index called the Ag Economy Barometer. And then we go beyond that because we want to know more about what's driving the changes in sentiment. We do a phone survey, and of course, our, your listeners that have participated in phone surveys know that they can be a little bit tedious. So we try to keep the survey pretty short. And our promise to people when, they, when we get them on the phone is we're going to try and keep you on the phone for no more than five minutes. But five minutes still allows quite a bit of leeway with respect to asking people about what's going on on their farming operation and what's going on in the ag economy. So we start off with those five base questions. We use those to compute the ag economy barometer and a couple of the sub-indexes. But beyond that, we ask other questions that are contemporaneous in nature with respect to what's going on in the ag sector, just to learn more about the drivers of sentiment and how people feel about what's taking place today and what might take place in the future. Your five basic questions, though, well, they, they tend to get right at the core of just about anything to do with the state of the agricultural economy, don't they, as you would spell those out? They do. So we start off asking people about how they're getting along financially. We ask them if they're better off today, worse off, or about the same compared to a year ago. We ask them the same question with respect to looking ahead a year or so. Then we ask them a couple of questions about the general ag economy. And then we ask them an investment question, whether or not now is a good time or a bad time to make large investments in things like buildings and, and farm machinery. Something you said earlier, Jim, that commodity prices do matter, and they do obviously within the, the framework of the agricultural economy, but those are not the sole drivers of producer sentiment about the economy. You might expand on that. Yeah, so when we started this, I think there were a number of people in the, in the profession that suggested that really all we were going to do was construct an index that maybe mirrored an index of commodity prices. 
you know, it is true that commodity prices matter. So when corn and soybean prices go up or down substantially, because there's a lot of each month, over half the people in our survey have either a corn or soybean, soybean enterprise. That does matter. And so do the livestock prices as well. But it's obvious looking at the data now that we've been collecting data going back to 2015, that changes in commodity prices are not the only drivers of sentiment. And at times, you'll see sentiment move in the opposite direction of what commodity prices are doing. So it's it's very clear that that's not the only driver. And so other factors matter a lot. And some of them we didn't fully anticipate. For example, you know, one of the big ones that we learned early on is elections matter. There was a big swing in sentiment following the 2016 election, which we didn't anticipate. But it turned out that that was a major driver of producer sentiment. And we want to talk about some of the trends that you have seen over the past well, six years of the survey, including what happened after the 2016 and 2020 elections. But before we do that, what's been the general reception to this overall instrument and what it's provided, Jim? It has received considerable play out there in the agricultural media and otherwise. What's your perception of the impact here? Well, as you indicated, it has been widely reported. It got picked up fairly quickly by a number of the media outlets and more recently, I think it's been picked up by more of the business press, particularly given what's taken place under COVID with respect to the disruptions in the food production sector and the food distribution sector. It's the only measure out there of what's taken place in the ag sector. We're the only ones that on a monthly basis are asking farmers questions about what's going on with respect to their their own farming operation and what's going on with the ag economy and then asking questions about the underlying drivers. So in that sense, you know, if you want to know what farmers are thinking, we're really the primary source. And that's really made it of interest to a lot of people, uh, both obviously in the media, but also in the political arena, uh, in the ag industry arena. We get contacts from all those folks asking questions about, you know, what, what some of the responses were and, and how we put the data together and what the questions we asked. And so there's a lot of interest. It's been, it's been a fun project. We didn't know what to expect when we launched this. Uh, we'd never done anything quite like this. There was nothing, any prior history for anything like this in the ag sector. So it, it was a fun project, but we didn't know what to expect. But it's been very rewarding in the five-plus years we've been doing this now. And through it, you have amassed considerable data that really points out some intriguing trends in the agricultural economy. And, Jim, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will take a closer look at several of those areas of interest, as indicated in the Ag Economy Barometer out of Purdue University. We're back on Agriculture Today and in the midst of a conversation about the Ag Economy Barometer as maintained and operated by Purdue University and the Center for Commercial Agriculture at that institution. Its director is with us, Jim Mintert, again to remind formerly of K-State before taking on his stint at Purdue several years ago. And he's one of the co-founders and directors of this barometer, as it's called, which is a nationwide survey of producer sentiment about the agricultural economy. Jim, as you noted earlier in the first part of our visit here, 
You and others with the center have been collecting this information since 2015, and you've come up with some trends that we wanted to cover right here. You mentioned politics and election results as being a very key driver in producer sentiment about the economy, the ag economy, that is. That was very clearly indicated starting with the 2016 election, you say? Yeah, it was, and I have to say it caught us by surprise. At that point, we'd only been collecting data for roughly a year, and we really didn't anticipate that the election was going to have this big impact on farmer sentiment. We collected data just a few days after the November election, and we we always released the results on the first Tuesday of the following month. So the November results came out on the first Tuesday of December, and, and the sentiment rose significantly. I think it went from a reading of 92 in October to a reading of 116 in uh, November of, of 2016. And our initial reaction was that, well, you know, it was a reflection of the fact that yields, especially in the Corn Belt that year, were very good. By the time November rolled around, farmers knew where they stood with respect to production. Uh, prices were respectable, uh, maybe a little bit better than the prior year. And, of course, USDA had made some big payments based on the 2015 crop in October of that year. And by the time November rolled around, people knew what the magnitude of those payments were. So we thought that was the driver initially. Then we did another survey, and the barometer went up another 16 points. It went up another 19 points in January. And at that point, we realized the driver here isn't what's going on with respect to economics in the ag economy. It's really about what's taken place underneath. And, and that is people are feeling substantially different about what's going on in the ag economy based on the election results. And the key point was one of the sub-indices that we compute every month is called the Index of Future Expectations. And it's based on the the forward-looking questions uh, in that in those base questions that I mentioned at the, at the outset, and that index of future expectations really took off. That was the biggest driver. So people became more optimistic about the future following that 2016 election. When we asked them more specifically, they told us they expected to see a more favorable regulatory environment for agriculture, which was surprising because if you think about it, going back for several decades on a year-by-year basis, the regulatory environment in agriculture has consistently gotten more restrictive rather than, than less. And so people shifted their attitude following that election. Uh, they expected to see a trade policy that was going to be more favorable to U.S. agriculture, given what took place with respect to China. That was a little bit maybe unfounded, but nevertheless, that's what they told us. And they were also expecting a more favorable tax policy for agriculture. So it was clear that the election impacted farmer sentiment. And you saw something similar when you looked at consumer sentiment surveys, whether it was the uh, University of Michigan's uh, consumer sentiment survey or, or others around the country. Virtually all of them went up substantially following that election. So the election really changed people's perspective. And it wasn't just focused on what was taking place on their income statement or their balance sheet. It was largely about what they thought was going to happen in the future. And through that election cycle up until the fall of 2020, those uh, sentiments remained at a relatively positive level then? Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, not surprisingly, sentiment collapsed when COVID hit. But then we recovered. And, you know, as you look at what was going on in the ag economy, things were improving, especially on the crop side. And so we saw a pretty strong sentiment coming into the fall of 2020. In fact, 
you know, if you look at the index of future expectations, I think it was record high coming into the election in the fall of 2020. The index of current conditions, I think, was also record high. So there was a lot of optimism there that we had kind of built back or, or regained following the, the impact of COVID. And then, of course, the election of 2020 hit and we saw a change. A change in a not quite opposite direction, but somewhat so? Yeah, the, the what happened was it was the opposite almost of what we saw in 2016. And the big change, a big decline in the index of future expectations. That future expectation index, as I mentioned earlier, was record high coming into that election at a reading of 186. Over the course of the next several months, it dropped all the way to 151. So we had a 35-point drop in the three months following the 2020 election in that index of future expectations. So the opposite impact of what we saw in in that regard relative to 2016. 2016, people became more optimistic about the future following the election. In 2020, they became less optimistic. On the environmental side, clearly there was a big shift towards people being concerned that we were going to see a more restrictive environmental situation for agriculture. I think before the election, only 41% of the people in the survey said they expected to see a more restrictive environmental policy. After the election, that climbed to roughly 80%. We asked about tax rates. Before the election, 40% of the people in the survey said they expected to see higher tax rates, state tax rates for farmers and ranchers. After the election, that climbed up to over 70%. Similar response with respect to income taxes. So those were the big drivers. Well, fast forward it, if we might, through 2021, and now we're in early 2022. What are the latest indicators from the barometer, from the survey, that stand out to you, Jim? Well, one of the things that's really been interesting has been what's taken place in the farm machinery sector. I mentioned at the beginning that we have a question about investments and whether or not now is a good time or a bad time to make large investments in your farming operation. And we use the response to that question to create an index we call the Farm Capital Investment Index. And that index was record high at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, as people were looking at relatively strong prices, relatively good yields on crops, financial prospects looking pretty positive. And ordinarily, you know, you would expect that to continue with 2021 being a very strong income year for the vast majority of producers that we survey each month. Yet despite that, that Farm Capital Investment Index declined almost continuously as we headed through 2021. I think the last month in December of 2021, the most recent data we just collected and just published here a couple of weeks ago, we did see a small rise, but that was the first rise of any consequence we'd seen in a while. So that index came close to hitting its record low. It was all the way down to 39. The record low occurred right when the pandemic was peaking in the spring of 2020. So how can this farm capital investment index be so weak? And yet when we're hearing stories from farm machinery dealers auctioneers, the machinery companies themselves, that demand for farm equipment is extremely strong. So we started asking some follow-up questions to help explain what was going on in that uh, machinery index and that capital investment index. And we started asking people more specifically about their plans for farm machinery purchases in the upcoming year compared to a year ago. And we were getting a lot of people telling us that they were actually going to reduce their purchases 
in the upcoming year compared to a year earlier, which didn't make a lot of sense to us with respect to the farm income numbers we were thinking about or seeing. And then we added another question about plans for farm building purchases in the upcoming year compared to a year ago. And again, we were getting a lot of negative responses. Over half the people in the survey said they were pulling back on farm building purchases. Again, that was somewhat surprising given how strong incomes were. And then finally, we added another question, and we just started asking this one in September of 2021. We started asking, have your machinery purchase plans been impacted by low farm machinery inventory levels? And almost half, I think the last couple of months we asked it, 44 and 45 percent of the people in the survey said, yeah, those low farm machinery inventories are impacting our purchase plans. So what we finally realized, which is kind of what we suspected in the background, but we were able to confirm it with the survey, is that the supply chain bottlenecks were causing people to hold back with respect to investment plans and leading them to give us a fairly negative response to whether or not now is a good time or a bad time to make large investments, largely because the things they wanted to purchase, the things they wanted to invest in simply weren't available, at least not in a timely fashion. And so that was a kind of an indirect measure of what the supply chain has been doing to U.S. agriculture. Well, this monthly survey mechanism has been cranking out loads of valuable information for all of production agriculture and for individual producers as well. And presumably, Jim, as we close out, you have warehoused the information that you gather and the trends that you've depicted through the ag economy barometer somewhere online. Where might folks go to find that? Well, probably the easiest way for most people is in your search engine. Just type in Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and you'll get our Center for Commercial Agriculture website. And right off the top, there's a big link that takes you straight to the barometer website itself. And if you want to go straight there, uh, purdue.edu slash agbarometer will get you there. You know, we write a report every month that details what we learned that particular month. We also do a, a podcast where Michael Langham and I discuss the findings. And if you go to the website, purdue.edu slash agbarometer, you'll find all the details there. Well, hats off to you, to Michael Langemeyer, and all the others that contribute to this effort, for it has proven to be a highly valuable source of information. Jim, congratulations on this, and it's a pleasure, as always, to visit with you. We'll stay in touch. Many thanks. It's a pleasure to be back on Ag Today after all these years. Jim Mintert with us. He is the director of the Center for Commercial Agriculture at Purdue University. As he alludes right there, a longtime livestock economist previously here at Kansas State University. The Ag Economy Barometer has been our topic on agriculture today. That wraps up this edition of Purdue Commercial AgCast. Thanks again to Eric Atkinson of K-State's Ag Today program for conducting and sharing the interview. So on behalf of the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Mintert. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.